Welcome back, everyone. I am Cass Piancy, and I'm joined, as usual, by my partner in crime, Mr. Bennett Tomlin. I know he's doing good. I'm doing good. We're recording back-to-back -back right now, um, which is why we're wearing the same clothes also, which is something you might notice. Um, <laughs> but today we are going to be talking about two topics quite near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we are going to be talking about Alex Mashinsky and Celsius, and we are going to be talking about Do Kwan and the fallout from Luna and Terra. Let's start with Celsius, Alex Mashinsky. They've been going through this bankruptcy. It's been a shit show to term it as nicely as possible. Uh, it, has, it has been a disaster. Chrissy Mashinsky, his wife, has been really acting silly, still tweeting a lot, saying a lot of things when it would be best to shut your mouth. I know it is hard for criminals to do that for some reason. Um, Selling bankruptcy merch. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get into that a little bit later. We'll, we'll delve further into that. But regardless, there's just been a lot of updates when it comes to the Celsius uh, collapse. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, where would you like to start in this? Because there's there's so much to, to, to delve into. Our last episode on Celsius was about the Jason Stone Kefi lawsuit against Celsius that accused them of being a Ponzi scheme. Since that lawsuit was filed, Celsius has countersued Kefi and Jason Stone, alleging that Jason Stone and Kefi stole a bunch of NFTs. We don't need to spend long on this, but I wanted to bring it up because in our last episode about this, we discussed and showed the NFTs that I thought were the ones that uh, Jason was accusing Chrissy Mashinsky of misappropriating. Celsius has accused Jason Stone of misappropriating a whole bunch of NFTs. And we talked about this very briefly in the last episode where I mentioned that before this set of NFTs, which is I thought was the set that might have gone to Chrissy, there was a whole bunch of other NFTs that were transferred out to a wallet that looked to me like it was controlled by Jason. And Jason mentioned in his lawsuit that he said this was part of a previously agreed upon profit sharing agreement. I have questions about what profits were available to be shared and why they were shared in NFTs, but that was Jason's claim in his lawsuit. Celsius's claim is that Jason Stone and Kefi were inappropriate and irresponsible traders who took customer deposits from Celsius, failed to hedge, used those to buy NFTs without permission from Celsius, and with the knowledge that Celsius's wallet tracking technology couldn't see NFTs for some reason, and then decided to misappropriate dozens and dozens and dozens of these nfts and you know what i think that both the lawsuits probably contain a lot of truth like we've seen from some of the uh, state attorney general investigations and stuff into celsius that if you ignored the celsius token on their balance sheet they were insolvent as early as like 2019 and so jason stone's accusations that they had a massive hole in their balance sheet seem strongly supported and Jason's allegation that uh, the Mashinskys misappropriated some of, some of the NFTs he bought with customer deposits for themselves. I still think that's true, and I think the NFTs I found before are still likely those NFTs. Now, the Celsius accusation that Jason Stone went in and bought a ton of NFTs and then transferred them to a wallet he controlled, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are true, right. too, because you can see a whole bunch of NFTs moving out of the 0xB1 wallet into this other one. And so what do we have? We have a idiotic Ponzi scheme that hired a brain-dead trader, gave him basically carte blanche with customer deposits, and now they're fucked. Everyone's fucked, and it's a fucking shit show. So I think that's a fun update, just because it helps kind of 
emphasize how incompetent many of the people involved in this story are. Yeah, that it isn't just Celsius, Celsius, it's people they were hiring and contracting with. Um, Another key update that I think is actually quite important is that Alex Mashinsky has stepped down as CEO of of what was once Celsius Network. I don't know what the the uh, cell cell Q, I guess we should call it. yeah, uh, that he he's decided to step down. I guess he claims he was a distraction. I mean, I think he's always been kind of a distraction. Decided isn't the full story. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The Yeah, so the UCC, the Unsecured Creditor Committee, had basically demanded that Mashinsky be removed as CEO. And after, that may, after they made that demand, before he could be removed and before that process was started, then he put in his resignation saying, I've been a distraction, yada, yada. I will no longer be CEO. We'll hand that over to the CFO. But don't worry, I'm staying on as executive director of our subsidiary that has most of the assets. And so he's not CEO. The Unsecured Creditor Committee didn't want him as CEO anymore, but he's still the director of the most important company in the Celsius Network network. Yeah, this is similar to the um, Michael Saylor move to step down as CEO of uh, MicroStrategy, but remain the controlling shareholder and uh, chairman of the board. So how much power is actually moved away from the clutches of Alex Mashinsky with this move? Probably not very much, but, uh, you know... It's at least a step in the right direction, which would be to see him step away. Um, so, you know, that that I think is a, a, a good thing regardless. Hopefully he has to fully step away. Not that there is going to be much left of Celsius Network by the end of all of this. Related to this, before he ended up resigning, there was actually this really interesting call that Tiffany Fong uh, leaked that was this like all hands meeting at Celsius, an internal meeting where they were discussing kind of what was going on. And they were discussing uh, this is before Mashinsky resigned. He was telling the employees that we're safe in bankruptcy. The other crypto lenders who are still out there and not bankrupt, they're in danger. We're safe here and nothing can go wrong. And again, Celsius is in relatively safe place filing chapter 11 versus a lot of other players. And then like continued with like, do you still drink Pepsi? Pepsi declared bankruptcy and they're still good to drink. So people will still use Celsius. Why are you worried about it? How many how many of you got, uh, use uh, drink Pepsi versus Coca-Cola? At least a third pre- drinks Pepsi. Well, Pepsi filed for bankruptcy twice. Uh, does it make the Pepsi taste less good? So the point is, it's not a bankruptcy filing is a test for the company. It's a test of should you come out or should you disappear? And also announced the Kelvin Project, which was going to be the new version of Celsius, which was going to be absolutely transparent and zero trust. I mean, require zero trust. I mean, people would have zero trust. Zero trust was involved. Mashinsky made that very clear. And so the new plan with Celsius was for them to, as soon as possible, return assets to their custody uh, customers use Bitcoin mining, which they are still actively losing money on every month to start filling the hole in their balance sheet and rebrand their company so that they could relaunch their other services and start charging fees on them to get to a point where they have a sustainable business model and can close the gap they have in their books. It's basically all nonsense, right? Like, I think anyone who seriously expects Celsius to be a going concern after these bankruptcy hearings is foolishly optimistic. Uh, it's pretty incredible, though. It does, it does still trade, as of 
the time of recording, it's trading around a buck fifty per Celsius token. I don't I don't know what we want to call that, but um, and the market cap is over six hundred million dollars, which is wild when you think of the fact that there's really nothing there anymore. I mean, there is nothing there. I'm I don't know what else to say. Like all of the assets are frozen. Nobody can trade with anything on the platform. There's no, there's, I think you can keep your loan going if you want to, for whatever reason. Um, Nothing is happening there anymore. So I like the fact that people are valuing it at, I I don't know what they're valuing at $600 million. I truly don't. Well, especially since the token doesn't do anything. Right, like it's that's not what that's what they claim, the right? It, I mean, it kept them like, solvent. Um, it kept the, it did a lot. Solvent. It kept them solvent. Yeah, air quotes for anybody not <laughs> not uh, watching. And let's talk about the sell token for a second, because the Vermont Department of Financial Regulations, as part of these bankruptcy hearings, made an interesting filing, in which they make the claim that the Celsius network, by increasing its net position in sell by hundreds of millions of dollars, increased and propped up the market price of sell, thereby artificially inflating the company's sell holdings on its balance sheet and financial statements. And so this is what we're talking about, how Celsius wasn't insolvent because they had this valuable asset on their books, the sell token, and that they used their other funds to go out into the marketplace and to try to ensure the market price of sell tokens stayed high enough that the amount of sell on their books stayed large enough that they were not insolvent air quotes again and we talked about this a little bit when dirty bubble media was on about how they were doing these activities in the market to try and protect the price of celsius and so they've now been accused by a state financial regulator of doing this thing that was observed by these critics by these skeptics in the open while they were doing it and so yeah that's Another update on Celsius is that one of these accusations has even more support. What is the difference between, say, having shares of, I don't know, let's just let's use a very common stock, having shares of Apple and then Apple deciding to purchase back shares of its own company, right? Which I think some people would say is like would help the stock price go up. Um, What's the difference between that and Celsius buying up a bunch of their sell token well one difference is disclosure right corporate buybacks are done in the open with everyone involved aware and generally with shareholder approval mashinsky and alex or sorry chrissy and alex buying tokens from their wallets is not directly analogous to that because it's not being done in the open I think a, num- a second a second point I wanted to to bring into the fold and why I asked this question is because I want to make clear that sell tokens didn't provide any rights to holders of sell token over the company Celsius. Like they could, didn't it, it didn't provide them any new decisions that they could help make. It wasn't a governance token. They didn't have like in terms of if you are a shareholder, regardless of if you take part in it or not, it usually provides you voting rights um, and it essentially is part ownership of a company. Celsius Network Token didn't do that. What it did was provide like essentially fees, like you could lower your fees on the platform and you could get more better interest rates on loans and stuff like that uh, if you use the Cell Token as your collateral. Um, yeah. That the, the other difference, 
sorry, the other difference I want to highlight is that when you buy back your stock, you're taking those out of circulation, right? You're saying that you're, that's no longer an issued stock after you've purchased it back. Whereas what Celsius was doing was surreptitiously repurchasing this and then holding their own asset on their own books to like cover these holes and stuff. <laughs> There's lots of issues with the actual token. I just want to make sure that people understand this is nothing like the stock market. It is. It doesn't provide you any of the same rights as having shares of a company. It doesn't, it's not giving you any ownership. Like it is more or less just this security getting traded. I like there's there's no real value to this thing other than collateral as like getting better rates on their on their platform. Um, so I just wanted to make sure people understand that before we uh, move forward to I think the other topic uh, uh, topic we hoped after the second time we discussed it we would never have to talk about again. But uh, Luna and Terra, Doquan. I'll do the too long didn't read here and you can kind of delve in a little bit further. Um, the collapse happened. This was a $60 billion stable coin ecosystem. We'll call it $60 billion in value. We don't know. There's, there was certainly not $60 billion locked up in that, um, in that ecosystem, but it collapsed. Do Kwan kind of separated himself from being responsible for it and just kind of said like, well, you know, mistakes were made. Then a lot of things were discovered about Doquan, like that he had tried to do a stablecoin kind of the exact same way before this. And everyone was like, well, why didn't you learn anything from that, dude? And he was like, ah, I don't know. Anyway, and then people were like, it seems like you're running from South Korean authorities. And he was like, what? They don't want me. And uh, would I have named my daughter Luna if... I didn't believe in the Luna project and a lot of bullshit. He did an interview with a guy named Zach Guzman, uh, which was something. Excellent. Yeah, that's not the word I was going to use. But if that's the word you want to use, I will let you use it and defend your right to say that. But it was something and it was uh, it was it was weird. It was really weird. Um, regardless, he said he was in Singapore and that he you know, had planned to be in Singapore long before he moved there. Um, and then all this shit came crashing down and that authorities absolutely were after him in South Korea, that they want him to face justice for what he did because a large proportion of investors in the Terra and Luna ecosystem were from South Korea. He was a big shot over there. Uh, people thought he was like, the next kind of Samsung king of the internet, king of tech, king of industry, and th they hate him, uh, to put it lightly, I think. Um, so South Korean authorities issued a warrant for his arrest and then reached out to Interpol, which is the international police, <laughs> I, like that's what Interpol means, uh, international police more or less. Um, and they issued what's called a red notice, which means 195 nations now have Do Kwan's information and a request to extradite him to South Korea to face justice. Do said, I'm not on the red notice list because he publicly searched for his name and didn't see it, um, which again confirmed that he is absolutely on the Interpol red notice list. Uh, and then he said, I'm not on the run I'm not hiding from anybody. 
but he will not disclose where he is, and he definitely is not in South Korea or Singapore. Nobody knows where this dude is. He's at the mall. He's at the mall hanging out, man. He's at the mall hanging out. People from from cryptocurrency Twitter have seen him all over the place. He's not hiding from anybody. Probably. It's all good. Um, so a lot of bullshit, a lot of lies getting spewed. Some people saying it's shit posting. I actually think he's, I think he's dead serious, and he's trying to cocky, like be a cocky kind of like. Uh, see, like I'm no, like I. What? I'm not... Dude, I'm the fucking king of stablecoins, man. Like, uh, what? And it's like, no, you're fucking terrified. Uh, to me, it's clear he's really, really scared of the repercussions uh, that await him in South Korea. But we don't, know, we don't know what's going on right now. When the games you choose to play are confidence games, it's critically important you maintain that confidence, no, no matter the circumstances. And so Doe, like Suzu before him, who also loves to play those confidence games, makes sure no matter the circumstances that he appears confident. We're working through this, your size is not size, steady lads deploying, not on the run, I'm out at the mall. No matter what, he has to create the appearance that he is confident and in control because that myth is fundamental for him maintaining access to resources that are useful to him, right? Even though Luna, Terra, classic bullshit to whatever fuck, whatever the fuck that fucking ecosystem is called now, even though it's a tiny husk shell, nothing compared to what it used to be, maintaining the fiction that it's like a thing that people are working on. That thing he's that's working on. That he's working on. Yes. He's, he's coding he's in his computer constantly. That, that helps him say, Luna wasn't a fraud. Luna wasn't a scam. Ignore my lies. Ignore all the people hurt. Ignore all the deaths. What really matters is I was experimenting and I was trying to build. And still, I sit here today in my living room experimenting and trying to build. Is that a crime? <laughs> it's, it's, he's like trying to like shift the argument, make the argument about something it's not, right? He's trying to make it, and in a sense, he's kind of, I think trying to still do what he did kind of with the Luna Foundation guard reserve, right? His goal was buy a bunch of Bitcoin so the rest of crypto has to be nice to me or else I'll fuck them over, right? And so now he's like, I'm going to embody all of the worst aspects of my crypto persona because I need to make sure that those people in crypto, the one who are still open to listening to the bullshit I spew, remain open to listening to the bullshit I spew because there may come a point I'll need to tap them or their resources to benefit myself. It's uh to me it's pretty infuriating just because I think his straight up arrogance is going to it's 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 gonna hurt him really bad, which is fine. Like he deserves it at this point. I would I would argue like if anyone in cryptocurrency deserves to spend a lot of time in prison, it is probably Doquan, who doesn't seem to have any remorse for the people that he harmed and doesn't doesn't care about being a wanted criminal, is trying to make it seem cool. Uh, when I think there were a lot of people before him who went about it a lot smarter and better, who people who I probably would disagree with on almost everything, uh, Arthur Hayes. Um, famously, the the former CEO of Bitmex, uh, I, what is it, one hundred X, whatever it's called, he was like on the run for uh, I don't know, maybe it was a month and a half. I presume that while he was quote on the run, he was really reaching out to a host of lawyers who were reaching out to the U.S. government, who were like, okay, 
we're going to make an agreement right now. We're going to come to an agreement. We can come to terms. Everything is going to be okay. If we do this the right way, you're going to get a sweetheart deal and everything will be good for you. Ultimately, that's what Which that's did. what happened. That's exactly what happened. And that is very smart of Arthur Hayes to have done. I, I, I might not agree with him on much of anything, but I respect him for one, owning up to it and dealing with it. Like, at least he did that. On the other hand, people who I think deserve to go to prison for a really long time, being Suzu uh, and Kyle Davies, at the very least, at least they've completely shut their mouths. At least they've shut the hell up, left Twitter, and are just living their lives staying silent. Because that's ultimately going, that's the best way. That if you're going to try to actually get away with massive fraud, that's the only way it's going to work for you. Doquan constantly tweeting and talking. I don't care what VPN you have. I don't care if you're in a, a, an, extra, an extradition-free country, which, by the way, I want to make sure people understand there's only about 75 countries that have an extradition policy with uh, South Korea. So there's plenty of places that Doquan could go where they wouldn't where they wouldn't extradite him to South Korea. Like they don't care if there's an Interpol red notice for him. Doesn't matter to them. As far as they're concerned, he can hang out with his uh, I would assume handful of million dollars. I don't think he has billions like people have suggested. I think uh I think he is not liquid in any real sense of the word. Even even in places without an extradition treaty, he still might have issues getting a visa, getting across the border, getting like it's a lot easier for countries. very wealthy people, though. And we've talked a little bit before on this show about how it's not really that great to be a fugitive on the run. Like, there's often in a lot of the planning for these types of criminals, Paul LaRue, Zusu, and Kyle Davies, even perhaps a little bit with Daquan, where there's this imagined vision of them as a fugitive setting up in some country and using their resources to basically live a lavish a lifestyle. Life largely yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, largely unaffected. And the pragmatic reality is that's not often what happens. And that like they as you find yourself They can't do it. These these are the these are the personality types where you and I, who don't want to be billionaires ever, like we don't we if, if someone handed me hundred and fifty million dollars, yeah, I would probably use some of it in ways that matter and donate to some things I care about or whatever, but like largely I would just be like, well, I get to retire forever now and do whatever the fuck I want. So that's why I will never have $150 million or a billion dollars or whatever. Meanwhile, people like Paul LaRue or Do Kwan constantly want more, constantly need more, constantly this greed, this desire that they cannot stop. And that is their that is always their downfall, always their downfall. That's what happened with Paul LaRue, who we are going to hopefully have. Uh, yeah have the ability to talk about that more in depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, it ultimately, what I think will be his downfall is his arrogance and his uh, greed. Not nothing, nothing when it comes to like, oh, he'll step in, he's just going to the wrong country right now or whatever. Like, no, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's ultimately right now in a relatively safe place and that's why he's saying the things he's saying online. Listen, I, I know it sounds idyllic 
in your head, in your imagination, to spend your life lounging on a yacht, floating several miles off the coast of some place, occasionally docking in, like, non-extradition places to resupply. But, like, it's it's really not fun to have a whole bunch of international authorities trying to shut down your accounts and your credit cards and your phones and, like, anything they can get access to and anything they can touch. And your, like, world being so shrunk, the places you can go, the things you can do, the people you can even legally interact That's with. That's almost always that the, the number one failure for these criminals is that if you have family and friends like you want to see them again you eventually want to see them again and almost always that gets you caught i wrote uh an article about gerald cotton who was the founder of quadriga cx and i was writing about death fraud which is like this concept that people whether it's for insurance or for whatever it may be, fake their own deaths and disappear forever. Insolvent cryptocurrency exchange. <laughs> so, so the yeah. So, the reason I was writing this about Gerald Cotton is there's a rumor. There's there's no one knows what happened to him. It seems like he legitimately died in India, but there are thoughts that he could have faked his own death. Um, and I was writing about death fraud and how almost universally it fails because people talk to their wives or they talk to their children or they talk to their cousins or they talk to their friends and the people who you think aren't going to give you up or that maybe you're not being super closely followed and everything's going to be fine it never works out for you and i this dude has a wife and a kid and he has i i understand the want like having to face criminal charges, especially in a place like South Korea that can hand down some very, very heavy consequences to any kind of criminal. Um, I get it. But also just constantly being on the run, like who wants, who wants that? One thing I do want to come back to before we kind of wrap this up was your comment about how Suzu and Kyle have been silent while Doe has been loud. And like previously I said, Doe needs to be loud because his people are the small little idiots, not the big dangerous idiots with a lot of money. Um, and so I think that's part of the dynamic here too, is Doe needs to keep his fans, his marks interested and connected to him as like this figurehead. Whereas Kyle and Zoo had taken a bunch of money from other people. And I think that they are much more nervous about the consequences of their public statements and how those people who gave them money may feel about them and what recourses they may seek. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think you make a good point about uh, it's <laughs> ultimately it's better for, for, Kyle Davies and Suzu to just kind of shut shut up because perhaps they pissed off the wrong people, um, which I I could very well see being absolutely true. But I do think that's kind of giving not enough credit to Do Kwon, who absolutely pissed off everybody. Um, I I don't know I don't know I I have already bet money with uh, Nicholas Weaver, our uh, old guest, that I believe Do Kwon will absolutely get arrested within, I, what, what did I say, a year? I think I said two years? Maybe it was two years. He will, he will be facing trial within two years is our bet. And uh, 
I, I stick to that, man. I, I think it's really hard to be on the run. I think it is uh, mentally taxing. It is physically taxing. And it is generally just not fun in any meaningful way. Uh, and I don't think Doquan is capable of it, to be quite honest with you. I think he's a keyboard warrior shit shitbag. And that the idea of prison scares him enough to be on the run right now. But that changes within six to eight months. Um, he's He's... He, his heart ain't in it. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but regardless, what we want to do here at Crypto Critics Corner is start the Doquan Defense Fund. So for every like and subscribe that we get, that means we are going to be putting 10,000 Luna tokens and Terra tokens into the Doquan Defense Fund. So uh, make sure that you give us likes and subscribes if you want to save this man. Um, also, definitely we are not doing that. It is a lie. Please don't take this seriously, anyone. Thank you.